Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Shake Up on Hack. We're getting into some of the stories that made you stop and think over the past few days. Maybe not think too hard, though, because it's the end of the week, so come on. You know, fun stuff as well. There have been a few things, though, that got you fired up, fired up debate, and it's time to get into them. Hack. I think we all know someone who brags about the amount of hours they work. I work 14 hours a day. I could say anti-Semitic things and Adidas can't drop me. Adidas has now officially severed ties with Kanye West. Oh, no way. That's a huge ick. Oh, no, no, please don't say that. I'm really into it. On Triple J. Yeah, we're talking the work your boss expects you to do out of hours, reasonable overtime. What the hell does that mean? That big Yeezy dilemma. And what is that word that's dividing people? Is it hot? Is it not? Stay listening, guys. It's a little teaser to make sure you stay listening. Will it work? Hopefully. Look, it has been a big week. Thanks to everyone who's reached out about my pink eye. Um, that's been the big story of the week for me personally. A bit of conjunctivitis. It's clearing up nicely. Thank you to the nurse who messaged and said, could be chlamydia. True. Um, it's not. Got it checked out. So thank you so much. Anyway, let's get into the shake-up. Enough about me. We've got the shake-up panel with us and we've got a couple of all-stars. First, performer, drag artist, entertainer, etc., etc. How the hell are you? I'm good. I'm currently ricocheting off the shockwave that was World Pride. So I'm barely alive, but I'm here with, you know, a good attitude, which is more than I can say for most drag queens in Sydney right now. (laughs) I was going (laughs) to ask you. I was actually hesitant about asking you onto the show today. I thought maybe... Maybe et cetera is not in a situation to be... Still asleep. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Who knows? It's been a big few weeks, but hey, well done on being here. And we got someone else on the Shake Up, first time Shake Up guest, a journo on the panel today, New South Wales politics correspondent at Guardian Australia, Michael McGowan. How are you doing? I'm good, Dave. How are you going? I'm all right. How's the election campaign? You You got an election happening soon. It's been... It's been a whirlwind. It's been busy. Speaking of reasonable hours and unreasonable hours, a lot of people in New South Wales doing a lot of a lot of hard yakka. But you reckon um, the premier's being like, "This is unreasonable overtime." All this stuff that I'm doing. Well, who does he go to? Who does the premier talk to about this? True, you know, that's the question. That's very true. So, the, I guess the New South Wales election campaign is kind of like a less fun version of World Pride, right? It's <laughs> it's, it's World Pride for absolute losers. Yes, okay, absolutely. good. And good, World good. Pride is already that. So, I mean, it really must be. <laughs> Look, we've got so much to get into. Remember, if you're listening as well, get involved. Call me up. Message in. I dare you. Come on, join this conversation. We want to speak. Let's go. Hack. I guess I've been working so hard, I forgot what it's like to be hardly working. On Triple J. Hey, do you love your job? How much do you love your job? Do you race into work in the morning, go above and beyond? What about outside of hours? Because there's a whole lot of debate going on in Australia at the moment about what is reasonable overtime. Are the bosses expecting too much from workers? Or maybe... You're just not committed enough. I am dead inside. It's a battle over wages and working conditions. Court documents reveal the former activist pulled 80-hour weeks. Work like hell. I mean, you just have to put in 80 to 100-hour weeks every week. The bigger battle over pay and working conditions could drag on for months. On Triple J. Yeah, this was big. 
There are a couple of cases, some bank managers saying they had to work up to 80 hours a week sometimes demanding compensation going to court. And then the court case against federal independent MP Monique Ryan by a former chief of staff, Sally Rugg. Sally Rugg saying she was asked to work more than 70 hours a week and faced adverse action for refusing. Monique Ryan denies those allegations. But there's a bigger question here. What do you think is reasonable over time? Do you have any idea? And actually, what I really want to know is, what is the craziest thing that your boss has asked you to do outside of work hours? I know you're going to have some good stuff here. Please call in 1300 0 536. You can message in to 0439757555. And not just the white collar types, tradies. How does this work for you? When are you off the clock? Farmers, come on. Farmers are listening to this being like, oh yeah, 5pm every day. I'm off the clock. That's it. Let's get into it with the shake-up crew, drag artist, entertainer, etc., etc. Journalist with Guardian Australia, Michael McGowan. Michael, we know journos love to whinge. We know that. So I'm actually not going to go to you first, <laughs> etc. Do you think this is an important conversation to be having about reasonable overtime and, like, defining what it is? In the drag industry, there's this constant competition about who's the most booked and blessed. Um, and we try to stack up, you know, our gigs against each other. And it, it gets kind of toxic sometimes because you go, you know, sometimes working for the sake of working can be a little bit unhealthy, especially if you're not compensating yourself with the time or the money and you're just volunteering almost what you do. But I think there also has to be something said about the reality of work taking a place of enjoyment and fun from something that you do love to do. So I love to do drag and it's something that's a passion of mine. But when I turn it into just nonstop work, then it becomes like, well, am I compensating myself for the loss of enjoyment from yeah, something that I love? Right. You know does, that, does it get like that sometimes where you just go through these phases where you're like, I'm not loving this at the moment? Yeah, it's that saying, you know, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Well, actually you will because <laughs> if it's your passion, yeah. then you're doing a lot of unpaid work because you're spending all your time pouring your love and your energy into it. So in my, I don't know, my profession, I'm spending a lot of hours where I'm dedicating my life to something where I'm never getting the financial return back. But in saying that, that, there is worth sometimes when you're a sole trader into developing your skills outside of work hours. It's just a fine balance to not burn out. Interesting. We've got some messages already coming through. Someone says, I work as a junior project manager in construction. Over the years, I've pulled many, many, many 14-hour days to deliver a project with no recognition, economic appreciation or otherwise. It's not something um, even remotely uni remotely prepares students for. That's interesting. Michael, what about you? I was joking before. And I say that journos whinge all the time. That's not a joke. It's true, obviously. Yeah, yeah it is a bit true. Come on, let's be serious. Um, what do you think? Have you ever had any ridiculous experiences? Or surely you've never worked overtime in your life, right? It's never happened. No, I think like what I said, I was saying is so true for so many industries, right? Where you have a tendency to tie your identity. I think, you know, millennials and Zoomers have a tendency to tie your identity with what you do, right? So mm -hmm. you, you find your own value in your work. And so there's a sense, I think, amongst younger people where, you you know, you want to put in those extra hours because that's how you find value in yourself. And you sort of fail sometimes to, to take a second and say, well, what am I actually getting out of this? Like, am I giving up parts of myself um, because I'm just sort of this aspirational individual, whatever, who wants to reach self-optimization? Um, so I think it's 
not just you know journalists definitely and <laughs> not, not just creative industries it's, mm. it's so many people do the same thing I think do you think bosses capitalize on this well I mean just on the the sort of parliamentary culture aspect yep. of this story right yep. like there's been so much like the news has been dominated by parliamentary culture in the last couple of years. There's so many stories about the sort of toxic issues in, in parliament. Yeah. And I think there's a sense of, there's a, a tendency to sort of say, well, culture is just this sort of like, you know, undefinable, um, diffuse sort of vague thing that is about individual people. And we forget that there are like actual structural things that you can do, right? Like defining what reasonable hours are, mm-hmm. which which is, is not like an impossible thing to do. Like, there are industrial instruments that that have definitions of what reasonable additional hours are. I know, but it's a bit kind of vague at the moment. It's kind of like there's criteria that you should look at, but it's kind of like it's based on personal situations. Yeah. It's um, you've got to consider this for the employer. You've got to consider this for the employee. Do you think we need like a more like strict definition of what this is? Well, that's the thing. It's workplace to workplace, right? And there is no sort of hard and fast definition. But in the context of like... Um, well, Parliament, for example, the the conditions that parliamentary staffers work under are, are kind of insane. Like they, you know, they don't have in New South Wales, for example, they don't have recourse to the Industrial Relations Act, um, so they can't, you know, lodge disputes and things like that. Right. Um, but I think it also, like, more broadly, it talks about it. It says something about like who's allowed to be involved in politics because going back to that culture thing and the culture issue and the toxicity, it's like. Who, who are we actually allowing to be in the, the sort of parliamentary space and working as staffers? It's like young people who don't have families. It's people who can work kind of ridiculous, insane hours. Um, and I think that's part of the conversation, right? Like wh- what is actually expected of the people who do these jobs? Someone has messaged in saying, working on the dairy, it wasn't uncommon to do 16-hour workdays. It's part of the job and I'd do it any time I need to to keep the cows fed and milked and looked after. Yeah, dairy farmers work very hard. Someone else says, I'm a teacher. It's impossible to do my job keeping nine to five hours only, let alone nine to three. We hear from a lot of teachers about this and we hear about a lot of burnout. Another person, reasonable overtime is a blatant oxymoron made up by corporate executives to get their minions to work for free. I'm a nurse and I do plenty of overtime and I ensure that I'm paid every cent that I'm owed. Just fair enough, I think. Do you think, et cetera, it's ever okay for the boss to contact you after hours? I think that uh, it depends on the situation okay. and I think there should be more there should be more normalisation that it's okay as an employee to say, I'm not dealing with this right now. Because I've been in those situations. I've had bosses reach out to me sometimes when I've been at home at 1am in the morning and I've been working at a nightclub saying, oh, the lights are broken. Can you come in and fix it? And I'm not rostered on that night. And I've said no. And I felt like my job was in jeopardy at that point. And so it's I would, hard to have those conversations though, hard. because a lot of people are going to think, no, I'm in this job. It's secure. I want to keep it. I don't want to rock the boat. So how do you, how do you broach that? I think you do. I think you do have to find 
the right balance between committing to the job that you have and, like you said, not letting it take over your entire identity. And there's been moments where I've gone, you know what, if this job's going to treat me like this and they're going to want these unreasonable things from me, then I'll just find another job. You know what? It's worth pointing out that in France they banned bosses contacting you after hours. They brought in that rule. So countries are already making like big reforms in this area. More messages coming through. Someone says, when I worked for a personal branding company, I was expected to take hundreds of photos during styling sessions and in my own time and on my own laptop, upload, edit, curate, then into an online look um, book. I was paid minimum wage by a woman who had built her entire brand on empowering women in the workforce. Lol. That was from Chloe. Another person says, my boss asked me to wait at her house on the weekend and out of office hours to wait for deliveries because she couldn't be there. That seems pretty crazy. <laughs> and Joe in Canberra says, my boss used to ring me and ask me to go in and remove huntsman spiders from the office. <laughs> Bizarre stuff that people are being asked to do. Michael, I don't know. We hear from a lot of young people on Hack talking about burnout and just the mentally how people are just not coping sometimes with like, you know, work, life or the rest of it. Do you think this has a lot to do with it, this being connected all of the time and feeling like even if you're at home, you should be checking your emails? Well, I, I think like I'm sure one of the things that all those people just had in common is that they're young people at the beginning of their career, right? Mm. And that's when I think you feel the most pressure to respond to all of those calls because you're in a more tenuous position. You're trying to climb that career ladder. Um, you know, so today's my day off. My phone hasn't stopped ringing. Oh, ring. sorry, Michael. <laughs> sorry about that. I'm like, oh, but, can I get you in? <laughs> but my phone hasn't stopped ringing all day. But, you know, I've been in my job for a long time. I feel comfortable being like, nah. Well, I was going to you know. ask that because the court cases that we were referring to, these are senior kind of, they're managers or people who are paid a lot of money, like over like 120 grand a year or whatever. Do you think if you're earning that much money, you should just suck it up? <sighs> I wouldn't say that any worker should ever suck it up, but I think it's part of the mix of like what, and this is why that definition of what's mm. reasonable is so hard, right? Because what's reasonable will depend on your specific circumstances. And if you're a highly skilled worker earning, you know, a hundred plus thousand dollars, there is a different expectation on you than, you know, like a, a very junior person. Um, but I think that's why, well, it's interesting that this has started this conversation about do we need, you know, rules around whether bosses can contact you after hours, for example. I think that's why that's interesting. Yeah. We've got more messages coming through. Someone says, can we outlaw shithouse management? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that would be good. Jenny has got a bit of a definition here. She says, I've always thought an hour before and an hour after the usual working hours is reasonable. That's what Jenny reckons. Another person, my last job had in its contract a minimum of two hours of unpaid overtime. Retail doesn't get away from it either. And somebody else, I work in the travel industry and we're all doing at least 14 hour days right now. It's madness, etc. Would you ever want to be in a position that you were the boss managing a whole heap of people? Or have you been in that situation? I have been. I'm the boss every day managing myself well, as, a, as an independent yeah. artist. And when I get to give myself overtime is shit house management I, or I call myself after work hours and I say stop calling me um, but it, I've been in a position where I've had to manage other other drag queens before and you're put in a situation where you go mm, I wonder whether I should call them this early in the morning because they won't be awake um, yeah. and you have to make the call sometimes whether or not you are going to disrupt someone's 
happiness and peace or look after a business decision. And I think everyone should be empathetic and everyone should look out for other people as they'd like to be treated in these situations. But also sometimes depends on the stakes of the situation. True. Michael? I was going to say one of the sort of awkward things about this conversation is the way that when you work in like a busy workplace in whatever whatever industry, when you have a colleague who is really sort of like strict about what they will do, oh, right? There's and always they will one, work, isn't there? There's always one. You have a tendency as their colleague to kind of get a bit, you know, like annoyed at them yep. and, and snipey with them when it's like that shouldn't be the dynamic. That really like they're they're doing what they I suppose should be doing. But you sort of workers kind of turn against each other a little bit in these contexts, which is another frustrating element of it. Oh, that's so true. Look, it's so interesting hearing from people from all kinds of industries. Like someone's like, I'm an elevator mechanic. Lifts are always breaking down and trapping passengers. Really hard not to speak to people out of hours. That's made me feel anxious about ever content, like pressing that button in the elevator now. If it ever breaks down, I'll be like, hey, I'll wait till 9am. Adidas is expected to not sell the Yeezy branded merchandise. The options to repurpose the products aren't promising either. On Triple J. You know, when you look at a pair of shoes and think, why did I get those actually? That wasn't a good idea. You open up your cupboard and you're staring at your $2 billion worth of Yeezys thinking that was a mistake. Well, for one sportswear brand, their mistake could have hectic financial consequences. Hack. Yet another controversy for Kanye West. Adidas has slashed its proposed dividend. Adidas confirming it is ending its lucrative partnership with Kanye West. An anti-Semitic tweet said, quote, When I wake up, I'm going DEFCON 3 on Jewish people. The company saying in a statement, Ye's recent comments and actions have been unacceptable, hateful, and dangerous. I love everyone. On Triple J. Yeah. Adidas doesn't know what to do with these shoes. If they sell them, they'll have to pay royalties to Kanye. If they don't, there's a huge financial consequence. Destroying them causes big environmental issues. What are they going to do? PR nightmare. What do you think the brand should do with these shoes? If you've got a great idea, we're all ears, please. So is Adidas. I'm sure they'd love to hear your suggestion. Call in 1300 555 You can message in as well. 0439757555. Bigger question though, what's been your Yeezy moment? What have you bought that's been a massive regret later? Or have you ever overcommitted to something and then down the track gone, no, why did I do that? You are listening to The Shake Up. I'm Dave Marchese, joined by Guardian Australia, New South Wales political correspondent Michael McGowan, and everyone's favourite drag artist, entertainer, etc., etc. Michael, thoughts on this one? I just, to me, it just speaks to the entire sort of hollow absurdity of like corporate values and, and that kind of branding, where it's like, Adidas took so long to distance themselves from from Yeezy when this sort of first started happening. And now they're in this position where it's like, oh no, we accidentally manufactured billions of dollars worth of sneakers and don't know what to do with them and unfortunately probably have to sell them. It's like, no, you don't. You could just, I don't know, remove the branding and give them to kids in public schools. Like... It's <laughs> well, they're saying, oh, if we remove the branding, that's dishonest. We we shouldn't do that. I I don't kind of really understand that argument, etc. What do you think? Do you have any ideas of what should happen to these shoes? Oh, I think it should be a new housing program for the elderly. You know, the old woman who lived in a shoe. I think we could <laughs> oh, really, really could corner like the retirement market and um, just find enough old ladies who could live in these shoes. 
Uh, maybe ones with dubious moral values That's as well who so don't mind funny. living in Yeezys. Someone says on the text line, River and Bondi says, if Adidas donates all the shoes to charity, won't they be able to get a tax break? I don't know, maybe. I mean, there's so many options being thrown around. The boss of Adidas was like, it's very easy to be looking from the outside and having suggestions, but really it's a difficult situation. Um, Michael, I don't know, do you think if people want the shoes, people do want the shoes, shouldn't they just be able to have them? I mean, I don't. I honestly don't know the answer to that question. I, and do you think? Well, another question is: well, Is this whole situation just making them more valuable? Like, I saw an article being like, they're collectors' items now. Like, they've be like jumped. And I mean, I mean, if people if people want the shoes, then I feel like they can buy the shoes. You know, I'm not whatever. But by the same token, if Adidas said that, you know, what Kanye West or what Yeezy, sorry, has said is is you know, outside of their values, then don't they have a responsibility to not then try to profit from them? Like, that's what I sort of mean about the absurdity of corporate value statements, right? Like, they don't mean anything. Someone on the text line says, turn it into an opportunity, give them to the homeless. Apparently, socks are the number one item requested in shelters. Didn't know that, Um, et cetera. Do you think that other brands are going to be looking at this freaking out, thinking, all right, there's a lesson to learn here. What do we do in these situations? Or maybe we've got to think twice before we enter these huge contracts. Well, I think it's part of the obsession with celebrity culture. And I think that's something that has been drummed up in the last 30 years as every brand wants to partner with a celebrity to do a branded clothing item, a branded meal, a branded this, a branded that. And human beings are infallible. They make mistakes. They're morally ambiguous. And sometimes a celebrity is going to do something that isn't along the lines of a brand's values or its market base. So I think that maybe corporations should think about investing so heavily into these very tenuous public figures, especially ones with a history of being unpredictable uh, because it's gone badly a few times for a couple of brands and I think it might be a shift away from this celebrity-based product uh, kind of strategy. Maxine's got a suggestion. She says, do a competition. I mean, I don't know how that's going to work, Maxine. What, what, who, who wins? <laughs> Just, a comp. Just do a competition. I don't know, maybe. I don't yeah. know, that's a, that's, Thanks, that's one option. Um, I think, et cetera, you probably have a regret purchase. Surely there's something you've bought and then later you're like, what was that about? Yeah, well, it's to do with shoes as well. Um, we a, a couple of years ago, I ordered in bulk. $2 billion. No, I, almost <laughs> to me, probably, probably a similar amount to what um, Adidas has uh, proportionately. Um, I ordered like maybe 20, 30 pairs of heels from an online supplier and I was so excited. 30? Yeah, 30 pairs of heels, different styles. And I thought, oh my God, my shoe wardrobe is going to be absolutely (laughs) popping. I'm so excited. And then I realized I'd ordered them all two sizes too small. Stop it. So I had 30 pairs of beautiful shoes. So what did you do with them? They're still in my wardrobe in boxes. And I've, I've like given them to friends here and there and being like, do you want a pair of shoes? Yeah, sure, you'll fit. But there were all these beautiful high heels and let me tell you, saddest day of my life, I had the hair dryer out trying to melt the plaque stick to fit my big feet in. And it's just, I'm a woman with size 13 feet. It's not easy for me. So if anyone wants a pair of size 11 women's heels in different colours. Hit the text line. Michael McGowan's like, maybe I will actually. I'll send you my address through. Someone says, the shoes probably cost 50 cents to make to begin with. I feel like they can afford to cop the L on this one. 
and Kanye has also been problematic for years. What did they expect? That's what someone on the text line thinks. Michael, have you ever had a huge regret buy? Mine are all like things that I've subscribed to and then forgotten that I've subscribed to and continued paying for them for several years. Oh, I think a lot of people are like, on that one. I remember the other, I was thinking about this. I, a few years ago, had to move house and um, you know, like signed up for one of those car hire things where you pick up a car w- wherever it is or whatever with the, the token. And I did that for one day and then realised, honestly, two years later that I had been paying monthly fees to this company that I like had never thought of again. I currently, right now, still, there are New Yorkers getting sent to like an old address that I have that I like, used to live at, which what? I've just never cancelled because it's too hard and annoying to cancel. Um, I also had a shoe thing as well, but mine was like when I was like 19, I had a friend who was really into, I don't even know what you call them, just like the really big, cool sneakers. Don't right? mention the brand. Yeah, I'm trying not, not to. to. I'm yeah, trying yeah, not yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. But I went with him one day to like a factory warehouse to buy these shoes and bought like three pairs of these like extremely colorful sneakers, which... It's hard to tell on the radio, but like anyone who knows me would know that I could, I can't wear that stuff. Hey, I can't pull that off. Come on. So they just sat in my closet similarly for years and I just, you know, never wore them. You know what? Pull them out. Next time I see you, mm. I want to see you in the shoes. Please. Maybe you can do a shoe swap. Hey. A kind of a trading post shoe situation. I feel like it'd work. All right, guys, another topic I want to get on to. Hack. Oh my gosh, I hate that. It's such a turn off. It just makes my whole body go, ugh. I'm stopping it. We're not having sex anymore. On Triple J. Hey, has your partner or someone you're seeing ever used a word phrase that's just made you freak out? Immediate turn off, deal breaker, no thank you. What are your thoughts on the word daddy? Ladies, particularly keen to hear from you on this one because I saw an opinion piece about this. Someone saying their fling wanted them to call him daddy. She just said, nah, we're done. After I heard that word, that was it. It does seem to be a word that divides opinion. Colleagues here at Triple J asking them today. Some saying, oh, so masculine, so hot. Others saying, no, disgusting, gross. What do you think? Guys, do you like being called daddy? Okay, this is entering a different territory right now. Or is there another word that freaks you out hearing that you just or that you just hate your partner so you're like, no, let me know. 0439757555. Already so many thoughts on the text line with this one. Someone says, I once called a bloke dude on a dating app. He inferred it was unladylike. Interesting. Another person. My boyfriend called me baby a few times. Had to say hard no to that because I'm a grown man. Didn't like it. Another one. Best way to stir up the missus is call her by her middle name. What about misses? Sorry. I don't know how people feel about that. I'm sure there's people out there who don't like to be called misses. I can confirm my partner doesn't like being called that. Oh, no. Michael, why are you doing that? Sorry. Come on. We're diving into this with Michael McGowan, et cetera, et cetera. Michael, could I call you Mac Daddy? (laughs) So it's funny my partner and I were talking about- Can I or not? Call me Mac Daddy. Yeah. You you have been for... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Every time the, the audio goes off, you say it. So. Yeah. No, come on. What did your partner say? So we recently found out that I'm, well, I'm going to be a literal actual daddy. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah, like parent daddy, um, which immediately changes the connotation of that word. <laughs> but when we, was, not good. when we were talking about it, Joe, my partner, was like, well, don't worry. Like, you don't really have a daddy vibe anyway. So I probably wouldn't have called you that. So wasn't a, you Is know. that a bit hard to hear? Well, no, I, she's right. Like, yeah. I agree. Fair enough. Et cetera. Thoughts on this one? Look, 
Uh, daddy is a bit weird for me. I know a lot of people in the queer community. We also we also say zaddy. Yeah, zaddy is another one. Yeah. Um, but can you explain zaddy? I probably can't, and I think it's better <laughs> left unexplained. But I honestly think I when I get called like mate on like dating apps or people are like hey mate. Yeah, this is one that keeps about coming me. up. I'm like, know. why are people saying mate to people? Like, it's a bit. I don't know. I was just like, I'm not your friend. We're obviously just meeting for the first time. I don't like, I don't like friendly banter. I'd prefer you to be cold and clinical <laughs> and just straight up to me. I don't want any friendship here. We that, know what we're here for. That's so funny. Alyssa from Ballarat goes, yeah, instant grimace with this one. Another person says, once during the act, what act are you talking about? Um, I asked her, who's your daddy? And she responded with her dad's <laughs> name. <laughs> oh, no, I can't deal with <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Interesting. Someone else says, love calling a man daddy. Cool. This is interesting. Michael, do you think that um, men are less likely, guys are less likely to be offended by being called things? That's a very broad statement, but <laughs> just wondering. Are you saying that men are just willing to kind of hear whatever? <laughs> just to... I don't know. Are I, they? I don't know. I mean, I just sort of feel like... Like, of course, you know, I mean, calling this kink is a bit of a stretch, but, like, of course people have different reactions to you know, an ick or a, or a turn-on, right? It's going to be different for each person. I just feel like just ask ask someone before you say that to them. Like, are you into that? Is that okay? Like, it's pretty straightforward, right? Yeah, probably. Um, we've got a lot of messages coming through. Somebody on the text line says, you can only use it ironically, like news daddy Dave Marchese. Um, that could be me. That could be me, frankly. And who knows? I might adopt that identity from right now. Someone says my male friend uses, hey, fellas, in a group chat of both females and males, and it gives me the ick. That's fair enough. Okay. You're off. You're off that. Hey, that's all we've got time for. The time goes so quickly on the shake up. I want to say a big thanks to our Shake Up crew, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Um, Mummy Issues signing off right here. <laughs> <laughs> Hack on Triple J. Huge thanks again to our Shake Up guests and to the hardworking Hack team, executive producer Claire Bloomer, radio producer Claudia Hurst, our reporters as well, Shalala Madora, April McLennan, Angel Parsons, Kimberly Price, Jack Gow, and Nathan Nigadula. Thank you so much for all of your company. Our feedback this week, we're going to be back for another big week next week, and I'll catch you then. See ya. <laughs> 